Now, for the next few moments, we're going to work it out in the Word. Amen. How many of you got your Bible? Uh, have your have your Bible. Turn it on and scroll to your Bible app, because most of you don't carry Bibles anymore. You carry your app. Uh, your how many of you? How many of you got the written word in your hand? Let me see those written. Let me just say I'm old school. I like to feel the pages. I like to touch the pages. And let me just throw this out. I don't have any time to do this, but I'll throw this out. I, I have no critique, negative critique of a Bible app, but here's what I think you may miss. Uh, you may miss the big picture here. When you're looking at just a few verses at a time, there's something about seeing it all there in, in the big printed page. That's just my personal opinion. I would encourage you to not throw away your Bibles. <coughs> What happened if, what would happen if the power went out and the, and the, you, you gotta have that printed page. So let's don't, let's don't uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We're going to work it out for the next few moments in the book of Ephesians. And I think you're spiritually fit enough for me to move kind of quickly. How many of you think we can move kind of quickly? Uh, I looked and realized I've got 30 minutes here or less and I've got a lot to say. So <clears throat> I'm going to quickly move through this. I'm going to clear my, <clears throat> clear my voice. My throat, here we go. Are you ready? I said, here, are you ready? Here we go. We've been working it out. We, our, our goal is to get you some spiritual exercises so you'll be spiritually fit and spiritually healthy. And how many of you know spiritually fit and spiritually healthy believers make spiritually fit and spiritually healthy churches that make a big difference in the world? And so our keynote verse for the summer was Ephesians 6.10 that says, Be strong, and finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so on Wednesday night and Sunday morning and all through the week, we've been working it out. In fact, in your bulletin, you've got a family devotional to help you work it out. Everybody say, work it out. In your, you, with your family and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might with your family. Here's some exercises we've been going through on Sunday morning. The first one was the exercise of knowing. You see, the church in Ephesus didn't know who they were in Christ. And so the more you know, the more you grow. Everyone say, the more you know, the more you grow. And then we look at the exercise of sitting. And I know a lot of you love that. The Bible says we're seated. In Ephesians chapter 2, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we learned this truth. If we're going to remain seated in our position far above all principality and power, thank you, Ray, and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, if we're going to remain seated in our rightful position, we've got to take our stand against the influences of this world and put on the whole armor of God, so on and so forth. And then we talked about the exercise of fitting. Ephesians 2.21 says we're fitted together as a family. And I said something along these lines. Most people try to find a church where they fit or find a place where they fit. God finds us a place and then he gets the chisel out and makes us to fit. Everybody say hashtag chisel time. I don't know what that means, but I thought it was pretty hip. Okay. It's chisel time in our life. And then last week uh, we talked about the exercise of walking. You look in Ephesians and Paul gives us, let's see if I can remember them, five ways we are to walk it out in our Christian life. We walk in good works. We walk worthy of the calling whereeth we're called. We walk as children of the light. We walk in love and we walk circumspectly. You gotta walk it out. In fact, that word walk is not just to do it. It's to, to do it for the purpose of showing off Jesus in your life. 
that you can walk in the Spirit. You can walk with God. How many of you know we need role models who can walk it out for others to see? They say, oh, look at there. Look at there. Randall's doing it. Josh is doing it. Hey, uh, Pastor Sam's doing it. Hey, Jim's walking it out. If Jim can walk it out, I can walk it out. Amen. And we need role models who can walk it out. And today we're going to talk about another exercise from Ephesians. It's the exercise of loving. Oh man, this is powerful. From the beginning of Ephesians to the end of Ephesians, the love of God is intertwined with all these messages and all these thoughts. In fact, if you look in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says this. He begins really by empowering us uh, to understand who we are in Christ. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. And what's the last two words? Everybody say in love. Listen, there's a divine connection with walking righteously and love of God. You know why we walk, we, we endeavor to walk holy and without blame before Him? It's not out of religious duty. It's out of a love for Him. How He loved us and cared for us <clears throat> and died for us, if you will. Amen. And so we're, we're to walk it out and walk out this love of God. We stand before Him in love. Now this first century church, this Ephesian church, their MO to their, to their, uh, uh, you know, benefit, their MO was that they had faith in God and they loved one another. Look in verse 15. Look what, what it says about them. It says, Paul said, when I first heard uh, about you, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Everyone say faith and love. You see, this is God's predetermined plan for all of us to walk before him and to stand before him in love, being recipients of his love, beneficiaries of his love, and one who, because of our love for him, we love one another. Notice what he said. He said, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and he didn't say in your love for God. He said, your love for one another, your love for the saints. How many of you know, if you love God, you're going to love your family. A lot of people, well, we could talk about this a while. They say, I love God, but they don't walk in love towards one another. They don't love God. In fact, the Bible says they're deceived. And so well, Paul, the apostle, when he came to this church in Ephesus, he wanted them to understand the power of the love of God in their life and through their life. In fact, the last verse of the book says, may his grace be upon all of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with sincerity. So he began with us that our goal and the purpose and the plan of God for us is to stand before him holy and blameless, fixed and established in the love of God. And then he comes to the close and, he's, and, and the great concluding verse is, may the grace of our Lord be upon all of those who love him out of a sincere heart with great sincerity. And so we've got to work it out. Everybody say work it out. Now, let me give you a snapshot. I'm going to give you a snapshot of Ephesians 2. Are you with me? Here we go. Ephesians 2, verse 4. I want you to see this verse, and then I'm going to give you a three-point snapshot of this chapter, and I'm going to build a point here. Look in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. Now, that's not a complete sentence, but that's all I want to read. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. That word, rich, that phrase, rich in mercy, means wealthy and abounding in compassionate love. 
How many of you appreciate the wealth and the abounding of God's love towards us? Now here's the snapshot. Here it is. It's a three-point snapshot. The first verse or two, the, actually the first three verses, have to do with our condition before His compassion. How many of you know we had a bad condition before we got a hold of His compassion? Here it is. You He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was your condition. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom all we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. That's our condition prior to our receiving of the compassionate, that, that overflowing, uh, uh, abounding love of God for us. That's where we were. We were dead. We were under the spell of the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. We walked according to the course or the pathway of the prince of the power of the air. We were in a mess. That's our condition before his compassion came to us. Everybody say, thank God for his love. And then the next few verses, verse 4 through 18, and really uh, uh, some uh, about through there, it defines our correction after his compassion. Things changed once we got, we became recipients of his love. But God was rich in mercy. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, he made us alive together. Somebody say amen. In verse six, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Somebody say praise the Lord. Verse 10, he created us for his work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so we, God, once he loved us, we began to see, whoo, man, things began to change. Things began to get corrected in our life once we received this compassionate love uh, that God has for us. And then the last part, really from verse 14 all the way down through verse 22, is our connection. And this is what I want you to see after his compassion. You see, when God poured out his love for us, what we see in Ephesians 2 and really all throughout Scripture is that the product of that is that we get connected to him and we get connected to his family. And In fact, verse 14 through, oh gosh, verse 18, talk about the Jews and the Gentiles. They're no more separate. They're made one. They're brought together. They are connected because of his compassionate love for them. How many of you know love washes away all those barriers? And so then he says this, watch this. In verse 19, now therefore, everyone say now therefore. Now when you see a therefore, what do you look back and see what the therefore is there for, right? Because of his great love with which he loved us, because that before we were a rascal and separated and under the spell of the prince of the power of the air and God's love came down and loved us and changed us and radically transformed our life and because he loved us so much. Uh, now, therefore, and he brought us back together. Now, therefore, in other words, here's the result of that love of God that was made manifest to us who were in a mess and we're on our way to hell in a hurry. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In other words, there's the connection. 
We get connected not only to God, but we get connected to one another. And the common bond is the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God in our life. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ, a common denominator, hey, of the word of God with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom also you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Here's the snapshot. This is where we were before his love. This is what happened to us when we received his love. And what did his love do? His love, his love leads us to connect with him and connect with one another. In fact, what did Jesus say? They'll know you're Christians by your... Come on now. They'll know you... It's, it's, it's okay to talk about. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. And that's the progression of God's love. It's not just I love God. But hey, the what... What did Paul look at and he see in this church? They had faith in the Lord Jesus and they had a love for all the saints. That's the evidence of your faith. Some people don't, are not in love with the church. Some people are not in love with the family of God and they say they love Jesus. It's, it's, that's a, you, that's not, you can't love Jesus and not love his church. I got two amens. I said you can't love Jesus and not love his church. Amen. And not want to be with the church and be with the family. <clears throat> and so, hey, it's the big idea. Let me give you the big idea here. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Here it is. <clears throat> We've been chosen as recipients and beneficiaries of his compassion for the primary purpose of being compassionately connected to him and his family. Everybody say, and his family. For God's greater glory. While I, while I, drink this water. I want you to say this out loud with me. Very proud. Here we go. While I drink the water, we have been. I'm going to drink some more water. You do it again. You did pretty good. Here we go. We have been. One more time. You do it one more time. Here we go. And we have been. And everybody said, amen. When I was young, Beverly and I used to sing choruses. And if, if, if we had time, I'd get her up here. We sang a chorus called Bind Us Together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together in love. There is only one God. There is only one Lord. This is brought from Ephesians, by the way. And that's why we sing, bind us together. The love of God should bind us together. And if we're not being bound together and connected with one another... Through the ministry of the love of God in our life, we really aren't operating in the love of God for our life. That's the big idea. Now, quickly, I'm going to do this quickly. Everyone say, quickly, quickly. I'm going to give you some love notes about the nature of God's love. You write them down. Number one, God's love is naturally abounding. That's where, that's verse two, chapter two, verse four, where it says he's rich in mercy, his wealth in abounding and compassionate love. And if you're walking in the love of God, it's just going to keep getting bigger and better. Everybody say bigger and better. Number two, God's love by nature is naturally life-giving. 
We see in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, that his love, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together in Christ. Can I tell you this? That the love of God in you should be expressed in bringing life and care and hope to those around you. Uh, the nature of the love of God operating not only to you but through you is life-giving. Number three, the, na- the nature of God's love, His abounding, uh, 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 overflowing love is not only uh, naturally abounding and life-giving, but number three, it's naturally sacrificial. Everyone say sacrificial. Verse 13 of chapter 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the what? The blood of Christ. How many of you know that was a sacrifice? Did you know the love of God operating through you is always sacrificial? It becomes the nature of God for you to sacrifice for the sake of others. Number four, the nature of God's love is not only naturally sacrificial, but it's naturally reconciling. It's always wanting to to reconcile things. And that's what verse 14 through 18 says. In fact, it says this in verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God, speaking of the Jews and the Greeks, in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. The love of God that, 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 that was released in the giving up of Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for our sin, it's naturally the nature of God's love is always one of reconciliation. And that ought to be operating in and through our lives. And then number five, it's naturally stabilizing. Look in chapter 3, verse 17. And that Christ, this is Paul's prayer for us. We're going to look at it in just a moment. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in what? How many of you know when you're rooted and grounded in love, it brings stability in your life? You know, in a home... If the love is lost, there's no stability. In a church, if the love is lost, there's no stability. In a believer's life, if he, if he falls out of love with God and others, he becomes unstable. But Paul, Paul's prayer for the church that they would be rooted and grounded, not just in doctrine and belief, but in love. You see, if you're a man of the word, but you're not a man of love, you just got a lot of head knowledge. And no capacity to, to, uh, to apply what you know. So it's naturally stabilizing. And then a quick love note, and this is where we're going to springboard from. It's naturally incomprehensible. Now look in chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. He prays for us in verse 17. That Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, now follow with me, may be able to comprehend, everyone say, with all the saints. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height? Now, what's he asking us to, what's he praying for us? That we would comprehend the, the, the love of God in our life. We're rooted and grounded in it, and he's praying for us that we could comprehend it. Everyone say comprehend. But now look what he says about it. He said, this is what I'm praying for you, that you would comprehend what, with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Now stop right there and look at me. You know what he just said? He said, I'm praying for you that you would comprehend something that is naturally incomprehensible. The love of God passes knowledge. It means it goes beyond our capacity to understand. 
It's hard for us to understand a God who would willingly give up his only son to pay for the sins of all humanity. Short circuit, that's hard to understand. We don't naturally, uh, you know, uh, there's a little time in. How easy or hard would it? We could not comprehend a willingness by, by Brent and Stacy to offer him up as a sacrifice for the sake of others. That's beyond our natural understanding of love. But God comes and he says, my love for you is incomprehensible. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to help you be able to comprehend what is naturally incomprehensible. How many of you want to comprehend what you can't comprehend? Now, this is where I'm going to spend just a few moments. I got, hey, how many of you won't throw rocks at me if I go a little past 12? Okay, no rocks today. Here we go. Let me show you this. Learning how to comprehend that which is incomprehensible. And here it is. Our capacity to comprehend the incomprehensible love of God is directly linked to our capacity to connect. Everyone say connect. What are we talking about? The love of God and loving one another. If we're going to comprehend something, there's some areas where we've got to connect. And number one, we see in verse 17, it's a connection of faith. Look in verse 17 again. Here's his prayer for us. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through what? Somebody say faith. See, to comprehend that which is incomprehensible, you've got to be able to be a person who can believe God and have faith. And when you have faith, how many of you know he said in chapter 2, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. It was a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. So here he comes and he's saying, I'm praying for you that you would be able to connect, understand that which is incomprehensible, the length, the width, the breadth, the height. I'm praying that for you. How's it going to happen? It's going to happen through your connection to Christ through faith. Are you with me? When you get born again and you experience his love, how many of you know it's hard to comprehend it here till you experience it here? In fact, until you experience it here, you'll never understand it here. Are you with me? If you're with me, shake your yeah, I got you. Okay, that's part one. But here's the second part to comprehending and understanding and embracing that overflowing, supernatural, uh, all-encompassing love of God that is abounding towards us. It's the connection of family. Now, let me back up. What did Paul see in the Ephesians? Their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for the saints. Everyone say faith in the Lord Jesus and love for the saints. Now watch this. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. You got to catch this. Watch out. Be careful. Here we go. Let me show you this. I saw this this week and it changed my life. It's changing my life. Look what he says here. I've read over this a hundred times. And he said this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Oh, catch this. Stop. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Everyone say, with all the saints. Now, I love to look in what these words mean. And this little word, with, is a primary preposition denoting union. Everyone say union. It's a powerful verse. It's a powerful word. It also means to uh, not just a union, but it means a completeness through companionship. Now, any of you husbands and wives ever looked at your spouse and go, you complete me. 
How many of you know that's really true? The love of God expressed not only to us completes us, but the love of God we share with others brings a completion. And look what Paul says right here to the Ephesians. He says this, catch this, that you may be able to comprehend through your union and your communion and your, your companionship with the saints, what is the length, the width, the breadth, and the height of the love of God in your life. In other words, you can't just have a connection of faith to Christ. You've got to have a connection of faith with His family. And when you start loving His family, then you begin to understand how God's love is so wide and so big and so tall and so low and it encompasses every area of our life. And we begin to comprehend that which is incomprehensible when we live in an atmosphere where people love not only God, but they love somebody else. Somebody say amen. There's a completeness and a wholeness and a revelation and a comprehension that comes when we fall in love with Jesus and allow that love to be made manifest through us to other people. This morning, as I finished preparing for this, I got convicted in my own personal life. So I started texting people, just saying, man, I'm praying for you. I love you. Because I realized, man, I've got to be a greater expression of the love of God in my life for people around me. Lord, forgive me for being assuming some things. I need to be an expression of the Christ, the love of Christ in the earth. So with that in mind, hey, without a divine connection to God and his family through faith, there's no capacity to comprehend the compassionate love of God for his children. We've got to have faith in him and we've got to begin to love one another. And we've got to work it out. Everybody say, work it out. Let me give you some quick ways we work it out. And, and here, I'm going to give you Pastor Sam's New law of the universe. I got a new law. It's my law of the universe. In fact, I think it's a law of the universe. You can write it down. You can tweet it. You can check it out for me. Here's my, I, I, I developed this law this week and here it is. Comprehension always brings correction. Everybody say that. When you begin to comprehend some things, by the very nature of your understanding, it'll always bring a correction in your life. I see uh, uh, my helicopter pilot back there. He's, a, he's still here, so I guess he's a good pilot. He's, he, he, but if he was flying along and he comprehended that there was a building or a power line in his way and he was too low, it came to him, a comprehension. I think I see a power line. I may be flying too low. What would that naturally do? Naturally. He, there would be no, let me pray about it, would there, Robert? You, you don't, you don't pray about it. Okay. Eh, power line coming here. Lord, no, it, the nature of that comprehension produces a what? A correction. Now, here's what people do over and over and over and over and over and over again on Sunday. They hear the word, but they don't comprehend the word. Therefore, there's no correction. I've had people come to me, Pastor, are you going to help me? I said, were you here Sunday? Did you, I was here. Did you not hear what, what I just said? Well, I thought I did. Well, what did I say? I don't know. This is my law of the universe. When it hits you, there will be an immediate automatic correction in your life. When you understand 
that God of the universe, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, when you're on your way to hell in a hurry, he sent his son and he died for you and he paid a great price for you because he loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only, when that hits you by its very nature, things will begin to change in your life. And if people say, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me and nothing changes, I doubt what they just said. Because when you comprehend, and Paul came to him, he said, listen, you gotta, you gotta get a hold of this. I'm gonna pray. Now I know you love, you, you have faith and you love one another, but you better get a greater understanding of God's love in your life. And I'm gonna pray for you that it would hit you like never before and you would get a hold of it. The, the height, the depth, the left, the right, the up, the down. You began to understand that which is incomprehensible. How's it gonna happen? By your relationship with one another. By being connected in the family of God. Everybody say it. Comprehension always brings correction. Man. When you begin to comprehend some things and they hit you, things will begin to change. Now, let me give you four in Ephesians. This is where I'm going to hustle through. That I see this law of the universe operating. Number one, our comprehension of the love of God always corrects our contentions. Do you know by nature we're all contentious? Let me say, did you know by nature we're all contentious? Well, resistant. Look what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the, this is the, where he moves into the application point of his, of his letter. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus, beseech you to walk with, there's that therefore, he's talk, been talking about the love of God and God's grace towards us. Therefore, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. See, when you comprehend God's love, you will become a peacemaker in the house. You'll become a peacemaker in the home. You'll become one who bears with one another. In fact, I love what that phrase means. It means to put up with with by way of love. Anybody ever said this? I put up with all that I can take. I put up with it long enough. Am I the only one? I put up with it. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, take, I ain't take it no more. How many of you know that's not bearing with one another in love? Let's see. Hey, once you get a grasp and a comprehension of God's love, the contentious bone gets washed out of your system because you love God and you love one another. You're not always ready for a fight. You're not always ready to react and be ugly and, and rude and crude. You're a peacemaker, something on the inside of you because you've had a revelation of God's love for you and how if you love others, things will be better for you and how you, he's looking for us to love God and love others. It, it'll wash that out of your system. The comprehension of God's love automatically will, will correct the heart on the inside inside and you'll be a man of love a woman of love and you'll just want to love people and not argue and fight and fuss and complain and use any other adjective that you probably use when you're not in church are you with me say amen our comprehension corrects our contention number two our comprehension of the love of god corrects our communication the way we talk ephesians 4 15 says speaking the truth in love everyone say speaking the truth in love. You see, when you comprehend God's love, it'll change the way you talk. You won't naturally speak evil or be ugly. In fact, the verse 
29 of chapter 4 says this, let no unhealthy or unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Why? Because you've got love of God on the inside of you. Go back to James. We can't bless and curse with the same tongue. That's not even, that doesn't make any sense. Our comprehension of God's love changes and corrects our contention, our communication. And number four, number three, it corrects our character. It corrects us on the inside. And that's what Ephesians 4, 25 through 32 is all about. Oh, let me just throw this out to you. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. You see, the comprehension of the love of God corrects our contention. It corrects our communication. It corrects our character. And number four, it corrects our commitments. Listen, when you get fall in love with Jesus and you embrace his love, it'll change your commitments in this life. Most people are committed to a lot of things, but when you when you really fall in love with Jesus, it'll change your commitments. Number one, it'll change who you're committed to and who you follow. You'll learn to follow the leader. Everyone say, follow the leader. That's what chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Your commitments change. You realize, I'm in. hey, he is the Lord and the leader of my life. I'm going to follow and model. Everyone say, follow and model. I'm going to, I said, everyone say, follow and model. I want to follow him and I'm going to model his love. He loved sacrificially. His love was ever abounding. His love was life-giving. His love was reconciling. His love was stabilizing. His love expands to the north, south, east and west, left and right, up and down. His love covers it all. His love covers a multitude of sins. I'm following the leader, but not only am I following the leader, I'm going to be the leader that God wants me to be. Everyone say, follow the leader. And be the leader. Hey, when you look in Ephesians, what does it say? Husbands, love your wife. Even as Christ loved the church. I'm going to follow the leader and I'm going to be the leader. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You see comprehension always brings correction and today I pray as we close this message that your comprehension you'd start everybody say work it out I'm going to work out this love of God in my life I'm going to begin to change some things in my life because I know God loves me I'm not going to be a man of contention I'm going to be a man of compassion I'm not going to be a man of unhealthy and unholy character. I'm going to be a man who loves God and loves others with a sincerity of heart. I'm not going to be a man or a woman whose commitments are all skewed from past lovers and past lords in my life. But because I've comprehended his love, I will gladly follow him. And I will imitate him. And I will lead others to follow him. And I will love others as a man or a woman of God. I'm working it out in the love of God. Let's stand together today. Father, today we thank you for your love in our lives. I want us all as we pause here for just a moment. It's just a couple of minutes past 12. 
I want us to put on our comprehension hat for just a moment. And begin to embrace God's love for us. Lord, may we comprehend that we be rooted and grounded in love. That we would be able to experience and understand what is the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of your love for us. Thank you for loving us even when we were dead. When we could not love you back, you loved us. When we were under the spell of sin and Satan, you loved us. Lord, let us be men and women who comprehend more and more day by day how much you love us how much we should love others. Lord, help us love people the way you love people. Let us follow your example and follow the leader and be the leader for others who need a role model and example of the love of God in their life. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, as we conclude this service, If you're here today and you do not know the love of God in your life you've never really connected with him by faith today's your opportunity to experience his love in your life afresh and anew and with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you can say Pastor Sam I've never experienced his forgiveness in my life I've never had given my life over to him I've never trusted him to be the Lord and the leader of my life if that's you today you can do that right now and you'll experience his love just like we said hey we were dead but Jesus came and he breathed life into us and he paid a price for us so with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you say pastor I don't know if I've ever really given my life to him and not today I want to I want to ask him to be the Lord and the leader of my life I want to experience his love I want to comprehend how much he loved me. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you might be in this room. I want to pray for you. I will not embarrass you, but I will pray for you. Anyone today. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I know he loves me, but, but I've, I've not been as responsive to him as I should. And as a result, my love for him and my love for others needs a rekindling. I need, a, I need to comprehend more about how, how much he loves me And I need to learn to love others like he loves me and he loves others. I've got my hand up this morning. I said I preach myself under conviction today. If that's you and and, and you say, Pastor, I need to learn, learn to love others more and more. I need to embrace his love. I need to follow the leader and love others the way he loves others and be a role model and example of love in the earth. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. Father, I lift my hand. I'm not looking around because my hand's up today. And I just pray today that over my life that you would help me love you and love others in a greater way. That I would comprehend with all the saints here today. 
in my connection with you and my relationship, my communion with you and my commitment and relationship with my church family, that you would help us together learn to love you better and love one another more. Lord, we want to exercise our love for you and our love for others today. We want to put it into play. We want to put it into practice, Lord Jesus, in very real, tangible ways. And Lord, we thank you that you're correcting our contention, Lord God. You're correcting our communication. You're correcting our character, Lord Jesus. Father, you're bringing correction in our life, Lord. And we thank you for it today. You're correcting our commitments, Lord. We're committed to you to love you and love others in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And everybody said amen. This week, what do we do? Put it into play. Comprehend. If you got a little comprehension, put it into play this week. Who do I need to love? Who needs the love of God expressed in their life? Amen. God bless you. I'm going to say this out of a genuine sincerity of heart. I love you today. Andrew, I love you. I'm going to miss you, brother. It's good to know that even though you'll be in a hot and distant land, our love will continue. Amen. I love you guys. We got to love God and love one another. Amen. God bless you today.